I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Eureka, the show that gets under the skin of science in a good way, as we invite a new expert every week to help us answer one of science's most interesting questions. I'm Rick Edwards. And I'm Dr. Michael Brooks. Now, we're currently in the thick of Movember, where people, uh, you know, grow out their tashes to raise awareness of men's health issues like prostate or testicular cancer. Mm, I mean, it's, it's basically a time of year when everyone has terrible facial hair, isn't it? Yeah, or just people sort of experimenting in a way that they wouldn't be able to justify at any other time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what have you tried? Burt Reynolds? Tom Selleck? I've sort of... Have so, I've definitely... So, generally, I have I have a beard, but sometimes when I when I shave it down, I shave down in stages. Yeah, and then poke my, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then poke my head around the, 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 the bathroom door to show Ema. She's like, oh, good God. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, I've definitely done the... Um, the, the, like the Wolverine, oh, have which you? is great, where you sort of so almost Ooh. like an inverted goatee, yeah, sort of yeah, way, yeah, yeah. It? They like take a negative off. goatee, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and uh, that is horrifying. Yeah, I can imagine that. Um, I actually think I once had that, like on camera. I think I was just like, well, fuck it, like you know, right? Somebody Google that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then I, I reckon every sort of six. Yeah, probably every six months, I tentatively just have like a normal, sort of quote unquote normal tash. Do you? Yeah. I don't but, think but I've but ever with, seen that. But with, so I'll just... Oh, with the like, beard? Yeah, but with the bit, so the, oh, the okay. beard is shorter and then the tash is a bit longer, which oh, I think okay. is the acceptable face. And even then, because I quite like it. Right, even what then, does Ema think? No. No, yeah, she's yeah. just like, have you done that again? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Or, or Did we talk about that every last time? Year? <laughs> I'm like, sort of hoping she won't notice. It's like, yeah, but I do look at your face, <laughs> yeah, and I can see what you've done. Um, so yeah, never, ne- never really get away with it. Well, this is my first, like, well, probably a year now with with actual beard that I haven't bothered to shave off, like completely at some point, and. And now I sort of imagine you always with a beard. No, I never used to have one. Oh. But um, mm. basically, what happened was my family said to me, "Do you know what? Your face is now so saggy, you can't <laughs> you can't get away with like being clean shaven." Let's, it, let's have a look. Get, get away from there. I mean, it does. I think it looks nice. Yeah, I I, I think it's all right. So I'm going to stick with this. I've basically been told, you know, your you, your face is not suited to actually somebody seeing it naked anymore. Mm. Uh, so, so I'm going for this. I, I did once have a goatee, which I, I'd had for about sort of probably about 
three or four weeks until people begged me to shave I, it off. I, I think the goatee is... I look like a Ukrainian bouncer. Absolutely awful. Like, it's yeah. awful. <laughs> I, I don't think... Yeah, is there anyone who can pull off it? Like someone like Brad Pitt probably can, but even then, you just like you look better without. I don't think anyone's face is enhanced by the goatee. Rafa Benitez. Yeah, actually, because imagine him. He'd look like you can't a, imagine him without just it, like can a you? Sort of sagging potato. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome maybe. to my world. Yeah, <laughs> but the thing about the um, the the beard is, it's effectively it's kind of like drawn on definition. Like yeah, yeah, of, it's yeah, a bit yeah. of jawline. That is, jawline that you're sort of convincing, isn't it? Though, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did once do the whole. It's, sort of the, it's boy George, <laughs> boy George, oh, boy yeah. George. Basically, <laughs> did he have it tattooed? Yeah, yeah. Like just almost like a sort of black sort of shadow yeah, tattooed yeah. under his neck. Yeah, so you yeah. can't sort of see what's going on under there. <laughs> I, I, I did once have a Burt Reynolds, but it never made it out of the house. I, I, I was being encouraged to do it just for a laugh because I'd grown like a beard out, and yeah. basically some some mates said, "I reckon you could you could do a Burt Reynolds. We want to see you turn up at the uh-huh, weekend with uh-huh. a Burt Reynolds." And it just—I'll show you a picture later, but it just—it wasn't right. Well, what? Not right in what sense, though? It was just like that. Isn't you? I think there's something about your personality that you mm, need to carry it mm, off, mm. and and I think it just wasn't me at all. I think you just got to dig in, though, haven't you? Maybe you, you, you've so got to turn have, into Lemmy overnight. And you've start got to have confidence. Whiskey very heavily. I don't know. I think you just have to go out there, and initially, like everyone is going to be like, "What the fuck are you doing, Brooksy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ridiculous!" But after a while, you just condition people, and they're like, so "You oh, just yeah. style it out." Yeah, like brooksy has got a tash. Yeah, and then and then and then you're away. All right, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, when when I show you this picture, you'll say, dear God, no, don't ever mm. do that. I think, I mean, it is high time that someone brought back the Hitler. Isn't it? <laughs> My dad used to have a Hitler. <laughs> I think you've told me this before. <laughs> I mean, that, I, I mean literally, it, it, it's just, it's just you know, it's a little patch like you haven't shaved, yeah. isn't it? It's like you, you, you came closer and closer and then somebody distracted and then you up. and you gave up. <laughs> but I think, but your, da- your, your dad's black, in yes, fairness. Yeah. Black guy, every now and again, you will see a black guy with a Hitler. Yeah. And it is sort of fine. A white guy. Robert Mugabe. Well, yeah, Mugabe, but that, <laughs> that felt more like an homage, though. <laughs> but I think a white guy, you, you, it's actually, you cannot, you cannot do that. No, you as can't. As much as you say, Richard no. Richard Herring tried It's Chaplin, well, it's Chaplin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Richard Herring made a whole show about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, um, it, you feel it's like not it the one never, to go for in November, I think. Probably not. No, no, it's it's definitely the one that requires the most explaining. It doesn't have comedy value, does it? You know, unless, no, unless no, you're it's, doing it's physical just, comedy like just, Charlie Chaplin. It's just people being like, "Well, that's that's still unacceptable." Yeah, but at some point, I mean, it would make sense that at some point that would stop. Do you think? No, I don't think it ever will. But who's? But oh, okay, whose facial hair from uh, two hundred years ago is iconic? Like you don't really know, do you? No. Do you think it's just... Well, you think there's going to be a generation that doesn't I just remember what it looked like? Not not that, but it's just, I don't know, it just seems like such a... You know the sort of thing, oh, too soon. Like, there is yeah. going to come a point where, like, uh, 200 years, like, so, you that know... can't be in, too soon. Yeah, in, like, 2145, <laughs> 200 years after Hitler has died... Hold the style pages, yeah. we've seen the new trend coming. Yeah, you know, it's going to take 120 years. Yeah, is that th- what you're saying? Well, I just I, I don't know how long it is. It won't but there be must be an amount then, of time. Well, that's else. what I mean. Yeah. It might not be fashionable, but it won't. It surely it won't retain the. It won't awful be socially unacceptable, will it? No, people. You know, some people would be like, "Oh, hang on, that's a bit like, you know, Hitler," and people would be like, "Who?" 
<laughs> well, they might not be like who, but it won't be so. I wonder if they will. Hmm. I I think so. I think it has to fade. I think it has to. Okay. Um, not and, yet. I, and I wonder if it's you that <laughs> <laughs> this November <laughs> you just, just maybe just next next November next November okay yeah, well I'll yeah. hold you to maybe that. maybe I'm pleased to say that <laughs> this episode actually has got nothing to do with uh, with, with facial hair great we're actually doing something that uh, I would argue is probably a bit more serious but also relevant right. to November. In what could be a major game changer, 14 patients with advanced rectal cancer are in remission after taking the same drug. The tumors are gone, with no chemo, no radiation, no surgery. This is a time of dramatic development in cancer treatment, and immunotherapy will be a key part of a new era of smarter, more targeted drugs. 40 years ago, only one in four patients survived cancer. Now it's one in two. And with these new treatments coming on with the more research we're doing we're getting faster and faster and it's our hope that in 20 years time three and four patients will survive and these immunotherapy treatments are going to be a part of that puzzle today more people are getting cancer living with cancer and dying from cancer than ever before with a disease that affects more than 14 million people across the world people have been left wondering whether we'll ever find a cure but humans are a nifty bunch We've harnessed electricity, sequenced the human genome and eradicated diseases such as smallpox, so it's probably not wise to bet against modern medicine. That's why this week we're asking, can we beat cancer? Wow, that's a big question. Yeah, it is. It is, but I mean, it's a... It's a good question. Uh, yeah, it's a question yeah, that we've a, been asking for a while. Yeah, it's a question I ask all the time when yeah. I get you know, asked to sponsor Race for Life things and, you know, it's just like... Is, is is my money? <laughs> I just you know I just sort of like okay you know let, let's do this, but I, 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 cancer's hard, isn't it? I, I just know yeah. that cancer is hard. Would you rather donate to a cancer charity or a cold fusion charity? <laughs> <laughs> uh, cancer, yeah, 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 yeah. It's not that hard. Yeah, <laughs> it actually, you know, obeys the laws of physics, presumably. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'll make a slight sort of disclaimer here. In that, uh, I mean, cancer can always get to fuck, can't it? Um, but particularly for me at the moment in my family, cancer can really get to fuck. So I'm hoping that the answer is yes. And ideally, sort of in the next, you know, <laughs> like 18 months or so. Oh, really? It'd be, right, it'd be okay. really handy for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Well, I'll up my donations then. Yeah, if you would. Yeah. Uh, but I also, I'm, I'm, I'm into cold fusions, so maybe <laughs> dig deep. <laughs> Uh, today we're joined by Dr. Kat Arney, a science writer and broadcaster. Her latest book is Rebel Cell, Cancer, Evolution and the Science of Life. It's about challenging old ideas regarding cancer with a new way of thinking. And it, it basically looks at what cancer really is and its role in, in human life and, and life generally. Uh, Dr. Kat is also the host of the Genetics Unzipped podcast. All right. Are we, are we promoting her podcast? I think, I think she's generously given up her time to talk about her work i think it's fine also she kind of does work that matters as opposed to yeah, us well yeah it's it's, it's it, it i think i'd feel uncomfortable not plugging 
yeah, uh, fine yeah. work. <laughs> I mean, basically, she's much better than us, and we should have just admitted. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll happily admit that. Um, but I didn't. I mean, I didn't spend a, a great deal of time sort of dwelling on the fact she does. A, she does a podcast. Oh yeah, okay. Um, but I did say to her, I bet she's not inviting us on. Yeah. That, <laughs> well, we don't know. Let's just, just do a great episode here. <laughs> we, can, we can tell you all about Hitler. <laughs> no, it's mustache, Is that what you need? Mustache is coming yeah. back. <laughs> Twenty-one forty-five, cat. <laughs> uh, so no, the first. Thing I asked her was how long or I, I suppose this is I, I think there's a sort of um a, a, a vague myth around cancer that it's this sort of modern disease and it's modern life yeah, yeah. that has suddenly brought it to the fore but that is what it's done it's not that it hasn't been around like it's been around pretty much forever right um but we're just seeing it more um, and largely because we're living longer. And so the longer you live, the more likely you are to see kind of stuff going wrong. Right. So we've basically eliminated the other stuff that gets us earlier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And which is why, you know, so if you look at uh, cancer rates and cancer caused deaths across different populations globally now, you'll see loads more in sort of Western, highly developed countries but just because life expectancy is higher right. whereas if you yeah. go somewhere where life expectancy is lower you see much less cancer but that's just because people aren't living long enough for the cancer to take hold yeah yeah so i asked i asked cat about that and said you know how long then have humans been dealing with cancer it's a really common idea that cancer is a modern disease and it's a uniquely human disease and as i was researching my book rebel cell I, I wanted to really dial back to the very earliest days of life on earth to discover that it's not because we find cancer across the animal kingdom pretty much everywhere you look every species can get cancer you know from the very simplest one is something called a hydra which is basically a, a little tube with tentacles and cancers have been found in these and it's it's incredible um, and we know that it goes across the animal kingdom so that tells us this is some a deep evolutionary phenomenon it tells us that it also goes a long time back in history we can find dinosaur fossils with cancers um, the week my book came out in the UK there was a new dinosaur fossil described it was I think you know millions and millions tens of millions of year old dinosaur fossil with an osteosarcoma that's a bone tumour and humans get that type of tumour too so this tells us it's a very ancient disease everywhere we look in populations of human remains we find evidence of cancer there are mummies with cancer there are bones with cancer there are populations with cancer everywhere we look so it's not a human disease it's a disease of multicellular life if you have many cells those cells could go wrong and it's it's a very ancient phenomenon presumably as old as multicellular life itself so the idea that it is a sort of new modern phenomena is is absolute rubbish um, and you can see cancers in dinosaurs and pretty much in every area of the animal kingdom yeah yeah okay. um uh, and and as far back as so i think the the oldest one that i saw mention of was a uh, some thing a bit like a sea turtle but from like 250 million years ago and this no. fella had cancer. I quite like there's something in me that quite likes the idea that oh you find you find cancer in in all those like yeah like, like yeah, she mentioned yeah. like fossils yeah. dinosaur fossils yeah and it's like that's incredible to me yeah and it just it just does 
it's not what you think, is it? It's no. Not, it's not how you think about no, it's quite, how those animals die. And, it's and quite like counterintuitive. But, but interestingly, I think what we don't know is whether these animals were whether dying it killed them. of, right, of cats, yeah. whether they had them, which is kind of an interesting thing to bear in mind throughout this episode, which is it's not necessarily true that having cancer will kill you. You might be able to manage it or just have a, a tumour that is relatively benign and so it's kind of like all these things it's it's not it's not black and white yeah okay um uh and 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 there's and all the way through history there has been examples of um you know people identifying cancer in in themselves and in and in other animals i mean you can kind of you wouldn't call it a cancer right but you you can look at growths that plants get that have some of some similar properties. Oh, really? Okay. Where sort of you know where something has gone wrong with the cellular machinery, and you get these kind of mutations and and, and growth. Even things like mushrooms, you can see something similar. So it, it does feel like, as Kat said, if you're a multicellular life form, you are vulnerable to, yeah, to okay. cancer or something like cancer. But you hear people say, don't you? It's like, oh, it's pesticides, or oh, it's you know, or it's plastic. Mm. Oh, you know, all, all these carcinogens in in, in modern in yeah. modern environments. And you're like, well, isn't. They, listen, they aren't helping. No one's saying yeah. they're helping, and they may actually be increasing the instance, but they're not. They're not suddenly creating this the, yeah. this thing. Yeah. It is everywhere, um, and, and and there's some amazing stuff like um, is an Egyptian queen or some some high up egyptian lady from a long time ago you know thousands of years ago um who who sort of identified that she had breast cancer and and sort of diagnosed well i'm gonna have a mastectomy wow and this is before anyone would have had any idea yeah what cancer was but i think people were pretty certainly with sort of surface cancer we could see the yeah growth. yeah people were like well, that's not good. Let's get rid of that. Let's let's, if possible, let's get rid. Yeah. And also, I've mentioned the fact that you know, all, all sorts of animals um, get get cancers, and you better believe I'm going to be coming back to that because yeah, we're, not gonna always... we're, we're not going to major on animals, are we? We're not going to we're not going to major on animals, thing, but... but we we are going to. It is relevant. Okay. There's some, there's some relevant, interesting uh, stuff. Um, and it was a God, guy. Are we going to get octopuses was... with cancer or something? Oh, can you imagine? I mean, I I, I think. Well, do you know what? Oh, here we go. One thing that might help the octopus would be very short lifespan. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. short lifespan is is pretty ideal in yeah. terms of avoiding it because just less time for cancers yeah. to yeah. develop, less time for your, for your cells to come. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they're not feeling great about it because there's other stuff yeah. that gets them, like, well, you know, like reproducing. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But they might be, yeah, they might not be that affected. But if you kept an octopus alive for long enough, yeah, would presumably... Be, be vulnerable to cancer, right. um, but we'll come. We'll come back to all that. All right. <laughs> don't, don't you worry. Uh, so the first guy who gave it a name was Hippocrates, famous sort of father of medicine. Yeah, yeah. Hippocratic oath. That guy, Greek, presumably sounds Greek. Always. Um, and he he was sort of looking at these tumors, and he and he called them uh, car carcin carcinomas carcin carcin something. Yeah, basically means crab in in Greek. Uh, and the reason he said that, and it's quite gross, is, is that the, the sort of, you imagine like a surface tumour or sort of opening up and looking at a tumour. Yeah. You've got this kind of mass of cells and they kind of um, end up like hijacking blood vessels. So you've got this kind of 
like web of blood vessels going into and supplying the tumor right and they kind of look a bit like legs so the whole thing is sort of look at the hard body okay. of the crab and then it's blood vessel legs nasty that is nasty but that's so that's why it's called cancer okay um and then uh it's nothing to do with star signs nothing whatsoever to do with star signs it's not uh, only people born at that time of year they get cancer um, and there was another guy as a Taurus I wouldn't mind that was he caught yeah me too actually yeah fine Yeah, but what would we get as bulls uh, um, was he called Galen is there someone yes. famous called yeah, Galen yeah, yeah. yeah so he he would have been around a bit later than um, uh, than Hippocrates but he he was one of the sort of everything's caused by imbalances in the four humours so blood phlegm and then the two yellow Bile. and black Biles, um, and I think he thought, I mean, whatever. Like, is there any? You got too much black bile. That's obviously what's doing it. But that's the kind of thing that persists yeah. for ages. Yeah, yeah. And pretty much until the um, until the Enlightenment, when people start doing proper sort of anatomical investigations and and, and drawings, like like Michelangelo did of the human body, and they start yeah, drawing yeah. these kind of features. Um, and 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 people then sort of realize, okay, probably not going to be these um, <laughs> these four humours we've been talking about. Um, but we the point is we've been aware of cancer and aware of it not being good for a long time. But it is only fairly recently that it started to it started to kill people in in in, in large numbers. Yeah, which is when we've really started to pay serious attention to it. Okay, and that's basically when our our life span just expanded massively yeah 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 so sort of post i guess it's sort of industrial revolution really isn't yeah. it? when when people are going to start getting significantly older so it's not it's not that long and do we know what it is and you know, tell me what cancer actually is or is it impossible to define no i mean the, the sort of odd thing is it's not actually one disease it's sort of a family of very closely right. related diseases um sort of hundreds of them actually but they're all caused by cells going wrong and then sort of growing out of control so they multiply quickly and then the real problem if they if they multiply sort of in situ where the problem is that is not not as bad and if so effectively catch it early if you can whip it out or 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 destroy it yeah however you you decide you want to try and do that while it's in place great if it breaks away and then starts spreading through the body which is called uh, metastasizing then that is much harder because then it sort of is invading breaking away from where it started and can start populating at different places in, in the body and that's sort of really where yeah where, where cancer takes hold and, and it's going to be fatal right unless, unless yeah. you manage to intervene in some way and that's what we're trying to do okay right. i mean obviously catch, catching it early is always going to be the, the the best version i suppose yeah all right so i understand the thing about you know cells going out of control and some of them go through the body and they metastasize and but i also hear like oh it's a benign tumor or mm. it's a malignant tumor mm. and it doesn't sound like anything's benign if it's sort of you know growing out of control Right. Well, actually, so a benign tumour is, is one that doesn't spread through the body effectively. So if it stays, so if it remains okay. localised right. in the area which it originated, and, and, and also, so it will slightly depend where it is. 
So obviously there's not really such a thing as a as a benign brain tumor. Yeah, because you don't want. I mean, it's going to be. It could be sort of yeah. levels, though. But, um, but so you, you can certainly have like benign tumors on your on your skin. Yeah, reasonably common. It's not. It's not escaping that that area. It's not infecting other parts of the body. But if if they get into your circulatory or your lymphatic systems, that's when you would say this is malignant. Okay. So effectively, there's a dividing line. It's sort of about the behaviour of it rather than a sort of clear definition of you can immediately say well that would definitely be benign or that would definitely be malignant all right okay all right and um, we're sort of you know learning how, obviously if you've got a benign tumor people just usually just get them cut out i think but you know there's lots of other treatments that that people face once they have a tumor especially obviously a malignant tumor we're sort of you know getting better at treating it aren't we we're sort of doing doing well, okay yes so there was a really interesting thing in um in the States in the early 70s, where Richard Nixon sort of declared war on, on cancer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the war on cancer, yeah. Yeah, and um, and I think partly, and it, it, which is a great thing to, to do, but I genuinely think that the sort of scientific community was so buoyed by the fact that we'd just gone to the moon that it felt like, well, of course oh, we'll we be can able do to, anything. Yeah, of yeah, course yeah, we'll be able yeah. to deal with cancer. Yeah. You just chuck like well, like with the moon landings, you're like, Jesus, how do we manage that? We threw so much so many resources at it. Yeah. Effectively. And we Brains and, and we, money. Yeah, brains yeah. and money. If we do the same thing with cancer, we'll 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 get it done. Um and you know, truth be told, we 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 didn't get it done. Um and and in the eighties, sort of People had a, and there was a lot of money going in, but people had a look at the sort of the, the the state of play, if you like, and the situation hadn't improved. Like more more people were dying of cancer, um, oh, okay. and so that I think led people to start trying to look at it in different ways. And there are all kinds of different angles and approaches you can try and you can try and take. And, and most of the most of the treatments actually came out of other. Sort of, and, and this happens a lot in medicine, I think, and maybe a lot in science generally, where you're sort of doing one thing, um, expecting a result, and then you're like, oh, that's interesting. That could be used for, huh. So, x-rays. When people first developed x-rays, yeah. and then they were like, oh, this radiation can damage cells. I wonder if there's a way of doing that in a kind of focused way, and we can start um, and... Yes, that's yeah, radio, so radiotherapy. That's radio, radiotherapy. Yeah. Um, and radiotherapy is, it used to be a really blunt instrument in that, yes, you could kill the cancer cells, but there's no way of it, it, it discriminating. And so it's just going to kill yeah. like a load of cells and it can be absolutely yeah. brutal. And now we're able to focus it much more carefully, sometimes actually now through uh, radioactive sort of targeted drugs, so they'll go to the go to the site and in, yeah. in, in the body and, and, and you know all, all kinds of ways. But that yeah that came out of X-rays. The first type of chemotherapy came from mustard gas. Um, oh, and so that was obviously developed as a well weapon of war. Yeah, pretty brutal. But people kind of realised we could fiddle about and do and do something with this where you where you target cells. And again, the problem the problem is always how do you get your treatment to target just these cells yeah. rather than any of your healthy cells. 
because if you're attacking everything, you, you, you're going to give yourself problems. I mean, I can see how you can focus a beam of radiation, but mm. chemo just sort of floods the body, doesn't it? Yeah, basically? yeah, and it and it and it like wipes out um, your your immune system, so your white blood cell yeah. count goes down drastically, which which effectively means you're very vulnerable to any other infection. So if you get anything else while you've while you've got chemo, that that is a real issue. But it still, um, it does work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, yeah. in many cases, I yeah, guess. Yeah, and we're, and we're, yeah, I mean, we are we are getting better at it. I think that the, the, the most promising avenue is probably sort of very personalised treatments. And they're all kind of genetics-based, actually. Oh, uh, okay. And, that, and that, that's something that is, that is definitely ongoing. But there are... There are all sorts of hurdles. Like, yes, there's there's loads of money in in this potentially, but these drugs and, and therapies are expensive. And so, I actually, asked Dr. Cat, what are some of the biggest barriers that cancer scientists are currently facing? There are challenges when it comes to testing cancer treatments. In that, if you are testing more than one treatment at the same time that can be a bit challenging because you know the regulatory authorities they like to know oh it's one drug but it may be that this only actually works in combination with another drug or it needs to be in a certain timing so it can be quite difficult to design effective clinical trials and then get that approved by the regulator get the right kind of data to show that this works and so I think this is a challenge it has been a challenge in the past because obviously if you can't show that your drug works by itself then how can you get regulatory approval for it to work with something else and so I think there is enlightenment starting to happen I think one of the other big challenges that we have is just in the way that treatments are being developed and tested and approved in that really at the moment um, all a pharmaceutical company has to do is demonstrate that their new treatment is just a bit better than an old treatment so it doesn't have to be curative there's no kind of bar for how much it has to improve survival by it just has to improve survival and there's a, a doctor called Vinay Prasad who talks about this and he's like you'll get rewarded if you pass your exams with a D so why try for an A and so I think we've sort of seen a lot of just trying to get new treatments over the line and I, I think that, that that really does need to to come to an end and we need to find more effective ways of approaching this problem. I suppose there's a there's a slight issue with the way that we frame the discussions around cancer which is we're looking for a cure a for cure, cancer yeah, yeah, and yeah. there is definitely not going to be a single cure for cancer. I, I think that's Pretty clear. Yeah. And it's, uh, we already have different drugs that work better for different cancers, yeah. don't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, there's a, so there's a, re this is a really, and I, I'm quite nervous about uh, sort of bigging up any result too much because I think there's a, there's a lot of that. Yeah. And I think it's quite, um, I think it'd be, it can be quite sort of psychologically difficult for, people with cancer sort of seeing quite grabby headlines about stuff yeah yeah because you see a headline saying oh th well this 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 cancer drug looks like it's working perfectly yeah. and they're immediately like why why aren't i on that yeah i should be on this yeah. i'm not getting the right thing like it's just sort of it, it's it's tricky and i think you have to be you have to be careful but with all that said in 
June this year, I think it was June, there was um, a really, yeah, small trial. So there's 18 patients who've got, uh, who had rectal cancer and, and all of them had gone through some really like tough treatment. So yeah. chemotherapy um, and, and uh, radiotherapy uh, and, and surgery, a lot of them, you know, needing like colostomy, but like they're, you know, in quite a bad, so sort of effectively the kind of people where you're like, look, are you up for just trying this thing? And they're like, well, fuck it. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. at this point, like, why not? And so they all took this, this drug that is called Dostarlimab. Right. Yeah, whatever. Never heard of um, No, <laughs> no, but you might do in, in the future. So they took this drug and cancer vanished in all of them. What? So, you know, so all, all of the available scans. So like sometimes you can miss cancer, but they've yeah, they've, yeah. they've they've done everything that we every way that we <laughs> know how twice. to. Yeah, 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 exactly. They've done the MRI scans. They've done endoscopies. They've done physical exams. They've it, like it's it's sort of yeah. they're as sure as they can be that it's just gone in all of them, and wow. okay. and they don't need they don't need further treatment. And it and it's genuinely like everyone's a bit like. I mean, quite cautious because I don't think it's ever happened before with a with a with a cancer treatment. Yeah, I've We've never had heard that, of that hit rate, and so, but it's sort of <laughs> I mean, giving it the preamble of don't get took. That is quite exciting. Yeah, I was going to say we're kind that, of done. They they don't need my money anymore. Yeah, <laughs> give it to the cold fusion guys. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty. Um, that that feels like a, a, a cause for optimism, but that is just one very specific type of cancer. So yeah, re- rectal cancer. Okay. Um, but pretty good. But if it is that good, I mean, everything in me, like, alarm bells are ringing. It's like, there's going to be so many caveats to this, presumably. Well, I mean, I mean, the first, the first and obvious caveat is 18 is a tiny, is tiny, a tiny trial. They're all very advanced. Uh, ve- ve- very advanced, but you'd sort of think that would make it Harder more to, impressive. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking for the kind of, but no, I know. The Achilles yeah. heel of the whole thing. Yeah. Really. I, I think at the moment, everyone's like, well, we we can't see a reason not to celebrate this. Yeah, it's but funny because every time I see one research. of those headlines, I just never read that that thing. No, because no. I'm just like, oh god, here we go, another y- y- false hope, basically. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think this is one where it's legitimate to offer some hope. I think right in a sea of articles which really have no. Uh, well, I, no, the articles are normally sort of fine. Or certainly when you get to the end, anyway, when they yeah, when they do yeah. a disclaimer at the end of yeah. like, oh, we only did this in mice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you should probably also say that you know you don't have any shares in the in the company that makes this thing. Oh no, I do. Yeah, yeah, no, I do, yeah, yeah. yeah. As soon as as soon as I read about it back in June, I was like, yeah, catch me in, baby. Uh, yeah, so it's called. Uh, well, let me find it again. Dostar uh, Dostar Limab. Um, and uh, I, I highly recommend it to everyone. <laughs> so irresponsible. Uh, it, it's uh, you get uh, the medication, and it, the, this you'll like, and you can see why I invested. Um, it's every three weeks for six months, uh, and it costs eleven thousand dollars per dose. Oh, so this guy is catching. <laughs> so they, uh, so uh, amazingly, they're not giving it away for free. You know, they've done something great for humanity, and and yet they're still saying people have to pay for it. Well, I mean, I guess at this, I mean, stage, who would have thought? Yeah, but at this stage, I mean, what else could they? Do? I mean, 
I suppose that's the cost. They're not. This is a problem. They're isn't not it? charging it, the the patients. No, they're no. just saying that is the current cost. Researching at this these things scale. costs so much Lo- I money. Mean, I mean, lo- loads of money. And we'll get into um, some more of the issues and 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 the improvements and, and advancements in the cancer field, as well as cancer in animals, obviously, yes. <laughs> and the breakthroughs that sort of newer technologies are offering us in cancer research. And we'll try and answer today's question: Can we beat cancer uh, after this short break? 
There are a few kind of heroes in the animal world that are always held up as the examples of these are animals that don't get cancer. So one is the naked mole rat. Um, these are very, very cool animals. They're basically like a sort of a little sausage with teeth. Um, they have very unusual lifestyles. They live in colonies like bees. They have a queen and kind of asexual workers. It's fascinating. They have weird thermoregulation. Their body temperatures regulated weird, very strange animals. Their skin's all kind of stretchy and odd. And it was thought that they did not get cancer. There have now been some cancers described in naked mole rats. So, yep, they're now on the list. Also, there's a kind of rumour that sharks don't get cancer, and this is not true. There have been cancers found in sharks, including a great white shark was found with a cancer. The downside of this myth is that millions and millions of sharks have been killed to make traditional medicines that are meant to be have anti-cancer properties, and it's, it's just simply not true at all. It doesn't work at all. So that's, that's been really unfortunate. I think... On the whole, as discussed right at the start, pretty much everything gets gets cancer. Right. But there are some exceptions. So I did find, or not like I, I found, I read about. <laughs> your, your own uh, research. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was swimming in the ocean, <laughs> but there's a um, there's a there's a sort of uh, sponge that can withstand about. Like I think it's like a hundred times the dose of X-ray radiation that would kill a human, and okay. it, and it just seems incredibly resistant to to cancer. So it's a uh, the, yeah, it's this sponge and there's a comb jellyfish, right? Both of which can't seem to find any cancer in. So they're Okay. I mean, yeah, they will get studied more. Yeah, yeah. Whereas um, the naked mole rats, now they found the, cancer in them, it's just like naked, naked mole yeah. rats out. But they yeah. are amazing. They can. I didn't know that thing about them living in colonies. Yeah, that's just mad. Yeah, and, do, you think, and, do you think they've just found them with cancer because they've started eating non non organic vegetables? I don't think they have started eating non organic vegetables. No, no. Yes, I think they're still. I think they're pure. Too much organic. plastic and no, no. I don't. Just they've always had cancer, haven't they? I think Nobody's looked think, hard enough. I think probably. Yeah, yeah. God damn. It. Sometimes it's not that easy to find. Yeah, especially yeah, no. if, um, especially if it, if it's not producing any symptoms you don't really know where where to look and it can be really quite small yeah and you can't go around sampling all the naked roll, ma roll mats will you stop calling them roll mats <laughs> <laughs> actually no carry on I like it <laughs> uh, now I have got one more uh, bit of animal stuff yeah for you, but I think you will I think you really like this so there's a phenomenon called uh Peto's paradox, or maybe Peto's paradox, named after the. Um, I've heard uh, of that. But yeah, I couldn't tell you what it is. Biologist, or, or I think maybe like statistical biologist who first noticed it. I think it was in the seventies. Um, and the basic idea is, if if you are a multicellular life form, big if for you, uh, <laughs> but if you are, uh, then the more cells that you have, and the longer you're around for the more vulnerable you should be to cancers. Yeah, that makes sense. Because there's more cells and they're around for longer, so there's more, there's more of them and more time for them to go wrong. Yeah. That, that just sort just of... Just maths. In, intuitively, you're like, yeah, yeah. I've, I, 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 I've got that. But that's not really what you see. So you would imagine that a whale would be absolutely riddled with cancers. Yeah. But they aren't. 
and, and certainly not and it, not to say that they don't get cancer but they don't get it like wildly more than than, than something else okay and if you look at uh, a mouse versus a human the sort of incident levels are roughly the roughly the same and you think well the the mouse is unlucky there like, <laughs> we've got so many more cells yeah and we're outliving it by a factor of I don't know 20 30 yeah something like that um, and if it's a if it's a lab mouse, a lot more than that. <laughs> uh, so it it sort of it it doesn't really make any sense. And people have tried to figure out what might be going on. And there's a few ideas. One is it's a, just a sort of evolutionary thing. And so literally, if you're going to be a big old unit, and you're going to be vulnerable to cancers, you need to just be a bit better at withstanding them. And so there's a sort of, uh, I'm not really going to get into the genetics of it because it's too difficult fundamentally. Yeah, okay. And I think we'll just get in a muddle. Yeah. And I think it's, we should just sort of leave it at, there are sort of genetic markers and there is a, definitely a genetic element to the formation of, of, of cancers. Uh, okay, right. And there are kind of vulnerabilities within your genome people can read cat's book if they want that yeah yeah exactly right or listen to our excellent podcast um and there's so there's this idea that maybe like bigger animals even like like a dinosaur say yeah um it may have just had sort of more you'd almost need more to go wrong in their cells for cancer to develop. Okay. So they yeah. just so so you've just, raised the bar basically. Raised the bar slightly. So now we don't really have any evidence for that, but that's one sort of model that that could explain it. Yeah. So actually just bigger animals, yes they're getting cancer, but the but the but the threshold is higher so they can withstand yeah. more sort of genetic yeah. changes without it um, giving them a problem. So that's one idea. The other idea that <laughs> to me, I absolutely love. It's this called idea called hypertumors. So, it, it, I mean, the premise is my enemy's enemy is my friend. Okay. So you've got a tumor, not great, and then after a while, one of the malignant tumor cells also goes wrong and stops, so that they all. Again, this is complicated, but all of the tumour cells sort of work together. That's how they, they get a blood supply. Yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So they sort of work in, in concert. If if one goes wrong yeah. and isn't, and is now working not with the rest, it effectively, and then it starts dividing, it's a tumour on the tumour. Oh. And it can start interfering with the operation of the tumour. So it can start like hijacking its blood supply. And so effectively, you stop that tumor and so people think that in fact in if you're able to look and again it's really it's almost impossible but in a whale you might actually find there are loads of tumors but on them there are these little hyper tumors <laughs> that, have, that have taken charge i mean i i i don't know so the tumors I, effectively become incompetent and and just not doing its but, but job the, as the a whole because like, it's been undermined it's that well, it's, undermined it's, from the inside isn't yeah, it? yeah 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 but exactly what has happened to the host body has then happened to the tumour. Taste of your own medicine. Yeah. It's, it's you know, shoes on the other foot. Yeah. <laughs> How do you like it? <laughs> you don't. Um, and I think that's a really, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's my favourite explanation. Yeah, yeah, of, of, yeah. Of where Peto's paradox might come from. I like that. Yeah, tumour on tumour. And then presumably it's a sort of, 
It's a free-for-all, it's, it's isn't it? It's, it's a, blah, blah, blah. Is, is, it, is, is it Russian dolls? Kind of. Is, it, is that the little tumor that gets you running? Tumor, running, tumor, running, I don't know. <laughs> very weird. Very weird. All right, so it's all very well studying animals, and obviously thank you for all the animal facts. No problem. But we've got technology now, haven't we? I mean, don't we have the kind of you know ways in that are just purely like information-based? You know, we must be able to kind of look at cancer now and say, okay, mm. you know throw a load of technology at it, actually, we can do quite a lot. You know, we don't really necessarily have to look at animal models. We're just like, you know, we, we've, got, we've got genetic information, surely. Mm. Uh, well, luckily for you, I actually asked Dr. Cat this. It's absolutely blowing my mind to see how fast technology is going. So when I first started working at Cancer Research UK in 2004, we'd only just really got the first draft of the human genome sequencing was very very expensive Um, you know the way that we found cancer genes was very slow and cumbersome even then and just since that time so you know this is less than 20 years we've had endless revolutions in how we can understand genetics how we can understand cells sequencing whole genomes for you know less than a thousand dollars amazing technology for understanding genes and mutations looking in tiny drops of blood for like single mutations and looking in single cancer cells this technology is incredible we've also seen real advances in looking not just at genes but at proteins which is kind of the the stuff the building blocks of our cells and that's been quite tricky before it's not been very quantitative it's not been very reliable but we have much better technologies for doing that and that's really the ultimate readout of the genes is the protein so i think we should need more attention on on proteins and proteomics as we go forward there's also the computational biology side so we now have AI, machine learning, deep learning, that we can take data from all sorts of sources, um, from patient studies, from um, you know molecular studies, smush it all together and the computer can spot patterns and connections and ideas and generate hypotheses that we can test, um, you know, churning through many, many, many different ideas for the shapes of drugs and, and combinations. I think there's um, there's a huge amount that has changed, and I think it's it's starting to get really, really, really exciting. I do like the fact that you know, despite Kat's obvious brilliance at this kind of stuff, she still says they smush it all together. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's as good a description as any of machine learning, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. How does mach- machine learning work? Well, you kind of take a load of stuff and you just smush yeah. it all together and then, then look at it. But people, you know, we, we, we couldn't do that before. Um, and that, that is one of the reasons that AI and machine learning can be so powerful in, in medicine generally. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just really good at pattern spotting especially when you've got all that information like the genetic information i mean yeah. vast volumes isn't it yeah but it's not not just genetic information that that's the key isn't it it's like all sorts of environmental information and and just everything in someone's medical records that yeah. you can suddenly start feeding in and then you know it, it genuinely wouldn't be possible i don't think for humans to kind of sift through that amount of data and and see anything emerging but Computers can do that, yeah. Um, and so that's really, I think that's really encouraging. And, and people are people are starting to do it. And there are, of course, there are ethical concerns around that because it's a lot of data that you're taking from people, and you've got to be careful to anonymise and all that kind of stuff. But 
you've got to say in that in this context, like it just feels feels worth it. Yeah, it? it feels like the right yeah, path the, to take, the, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, when you've got the kind of ability to compute mm. all this and compare it and spot the patterns yeah. automatically, yeah, then you know why wouldn't you do it? And yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, we, we talked in our episode about what genetics will do next, about, you know, all the nightmare scenarios and the things mm. that can go wrong. And, you know, Matthew Cobb, who was our expert, was quite sort of, you know, sceptical about some of the claims that, that geneticists make about what they can mm. do and what they should do as well. But, you know, with this one, it seems like, you know, everyone surely is on side with us using genetics and AI to, to, to yeah. beat cancer. Yeah, and, and, and genetics will be so key in this i mean there's some there's some really sort of quite obvious questions that we still haven't got answers to about cancer and, and questions that might not have occurred to you be like oh yeah so something like why is it that so if if you say okay 40 genes are causing are, are, are causing cancers and, and it looks like that so um there's there's 40 versions of a specific gene that appear to be strongly linked with breast cancer uh specific gene strongly linked to bowel cancer. But why, given that those genes are present all through the body, would it only cause a problem in that oh, yeah, part in that of the one body? Area. Yeah. And we don't really know that. Um, and so you need to work with geneticists to try, to try and figure it out. And that would be obviously really useful because there's obviously some kind of tissue specificity yeah. that we don't quite get but would be incredibly yeah. handy, particularly when, again, we come back to this idea of targeting. So you can get that faulty gene in another area of the body yeah. and it and just won't do anything. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like you, I mean, <laughs> obvious point, you're not getting breast cancer in your arm. No. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and so and there's, there's a load of other, I think, really sort of quite basic questions that people are still trying to answer. Um, so, you know, Combining treatments is a is a, is a big one at the moment. I think people realizing that actually one on its own, just it, you're better off trying to lump treatments together. But figuring out how to combine them is 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 difficult. Um, and then obviously trying to work out which cancers are are, are potentially lethal and and need treatment and which aren't. That yeah, it's still yeah. not that good at that. Why some cancers? I mean, I suppose this is the big caveat with the with the rectal cancer study is there are some cancers that can seemingly have gone and then, and you're in remission and then suddenly they're, oh, right. they're back and we're not really sure what, what's happening there. Like if they're just literally just hiding somewhere or there's some kind of trace, some remnant yeah, that we're not spotting yeah. that then is waiting for an opportunity. Don't really. Presumably kind of, you've cashed in your shares already in case that just, happens. Yeah, just in case, because we're riding high at the moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, the, the really, I suppose, the biggest potential application for the sort of machine learning stuff is can we just spot it earlier? Are there those cues yeah, okay, that we don't yeah. know to Kind of screening for? technology. Yeah, yeah. Where you go, aha, that particular protein signature or whatever yeah. it is that is a that is an early precursor to this yeah down the line um, yeah and we might you know 
It will certainly give you a, a probability association, won't it? A correlation. Effectively. Yeah, I mean, th- that, that's know, all they're ever going to give you because yeah, it can't yeah. give you causation. No. Yeah. They, they are, that's not what it's doing. It's like it's your, just your, your chances are increased and, and you, know, yeah, you need so to be aware of that. Let's have a look. What so, about trials? I mean, is technology improving like, clinical trials? It, it, it's such an obvious one, this, but it's obviously massively, massively improved trials or has the potential to because trials previously have always been in person at a centre, yeah, pretty much, you know, drawn from people who can get to the centre. Yeah, so in the neighbourhood. Small, basically. yeah, basically, in <laughs> yeah. The, like people in the neighbourhood. Yeah, and so it, it creates real problems in terms of your your demographic. Yeah, yeah, of obviously. Course. Whereas now, you can do all this stuff virtually, pretty much. Wow. Like, there's not much need to 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 go in. I mean, sometimes probably, but you can do a lot of stuff just. <laughs> like like everything, just sort of on Zoom, and they can send you the medications and 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 all of that. So it's and you can do you know you can do a pretty sophisticated consultation over. That's fantastic over as well. Zoom. If you want to get recruited onto a trial, because you know you need to be on that trial. Yeah, yeah. And, and and normally if you weren't so if you're in the UK and you're like oh but there's an incredible trial going on in the states before well that was not available. There was no way that could possibly happen. Because now there is definitely a possibility. That's cool. I don't know if anyone is is doing it across that kind of distance because I imagine that there is probably still some sort of face to face stuff. But yeah, no, you, you but can definitely see a world where you you, you just you you get rid of that. Yeah, and it would just it would just you can increase the size of your of your sample, which is great. Yeah, massively improve the demographics. Make sure that you know you, you're representing everyone. It's um yeah it, it it's 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 really good actually. Okay. And then the other big um, sort of tech innovation, I suppose, is is again quite recent. So the the there's this husband and wife team that you probably wouldn't have heard of that founded Biontech. No, you do know, know you 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 do. Do know, I know Biontech? You, you do know Biontech? Why do you know? Come on, come on, dig <sighs> deep. It's 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 um it's very very contemporary. Biontech, German company, quite new. No, not ringing any bells. No, no, no. Not paid any attention to the vaccines for COVID. Oh. <laughs> no, nothing. Oh right, okay, yeah. yeah. Oh right, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Oh yeah, bring it uh, okay, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I'm only interested in British vaccines. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, if it's not the Oxford. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the, 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 these two absolute dons came up with. Um, yeah, they've been working on mRNA vaccines. Yeah. We do not need to go into why that is a new type of vaccine. Yeah. I think we can just wave our hands and say it's a new type of vaccine. Yeah. And through COVID, like we hadn't it hadn't been out in in the world. Now it's out there. It's working really well. It's a it's the best possible massive trial you can have for that. And now they're they're, they're trying to work on effectively a vaccine for cancers. Wow, and okay. it looks and and again it it looks really looks really promising. What's the sort of easiest way of explaining what it what you're doing? But yeah, so it's like it's like having a description. It's like going into the body and you've got a description of like the thing that you want to kill. Yeah, and you go. This is the thing. Um, and in the case with cancers, it's this the antigens that distinguish cancer cells from 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 normal cells and mRNA vaccines are really good at this. 
Uh, and it is much, much, much more complicated than that. But sweet assassins. Um, yes, exactly. They 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 started these trials way before the pandemic, and it had been and it had been encouraging, and 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 now they're they're continuing. So the the possibility of some form of mRNA based cancer vaccine is well on the horizon. I would say. Cool. Yeah. Really cool. So the, I mean, you're sounding quite upbeat. Yeah, I think so. I wonder if it's a, a if it's a sort of um, cancer's always going to be around. Yeah, cancer's always going to be there in in everything. I, I think if you found a, an alien, decent sized if, <laughs> and a multicellular alien, yeah, I think they would probably have cancer. I, I think yeah. it, it feels like it's just a feature of having loads of cells yeah, that sometimes yeah. they, they, they go wrong. Yeah. And I think it's worth sort of accepting that. So whilst you might not be, we might not have cures for cancer, I think we'll just have ways of dealing with cancer when it arises. And things that were a death sentence in the past well, yes. are no longer in many cases and yes. will definitely you know, not yeah. be in or, the future. Or, or, or you know, it, it, you're sort of, you're prolonging, you're, you're prolonging life massively, yeah. I think. Yeah. So y yes, it might kill you in the end, but instead of it being two years, it's 20 years. Yeah. Just, yeah. That, that, that I feel pretty, and that is already happening in, in, in some areas, yeah. but I, I feel reasonably confident for everything that I've kind of read and heard that that is a sort of, reasonable supposition and hope cool um but i mean it, to be fair we also ask cat this the question can science beat cancer i think i i did sum up at the end of my book rebel cell and and it's this it's that we need to tell a new story about cancer not as something alien that we need to nuke from orbit but as an intrinsic property of multicellular life we have to understand it from the perspective of evolution and the ecology of the landscape within the body we have to eradicate it if possible steering cancer into an evolutionary dead end where every single cell has exhausted all the possible evolutionary avenues and extinction is the only option where that's not possible, the alternative is to keep chasing tumours round in circles, watching, waiting, treating, a situation that could continue for decades. And although that may not be the cure for cancer that we thought we were searching for, I think it's something that looks very much like it. Well, OK, so we sort of uh, agree then. I mean, yeah. her, her, her sort of... Um, I mean, she you know, phrased it better than you She did. did phrase it better than me, yeah, I'll give you that. But she's written this fantastic book, yes. to be fair. She Rebel it a couple Cell. of times. Yeah, very well. Um, uh, also, if, I mean, if you... And her if kind you, of, like, evolutionary dead end for cancer. Yeah. I like the sound of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I imagine that her book as well doesn't skate over all the stuff that we've just skated over. Honestly, I spent quite, a, as you can imagine, quite a long time reading about the, the genetic stuff, and it's really interesting, but Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't even get started on mRNA vaccines. No, well, that's the thing. I'm just like, well, yes, we could, but we're going to be here for another hour. Yeah, go and read Rebel Sound if you <laughs> want to know about that. <laughs> Eureka is a stack production presented by Dr. Michael Brooks and Rick Edwards. The production team is Temi Adebayo, Katie Baxter, Luke Moore and Charlie Morgan. Sound designed by Katie Baxter. Special thanks to today's expert, Dr. Kat Arney. 
Please subscribe and rate wherever you listen to your podcast. It does make a massive difference. We also really love hearing from you guys. So if you have any burning questions you want us to answer, drop us an email at eureka at stack.london or you can find us, as always, on Twitter at EurekaPod. Eureka is a Stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. 